It's episode eight of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I speak to Anna Harding, the founder of The Running Channel. Anna has gone from non-runner to the running expert we know and love in a ludicrously quick time. Just a few years ago, she made the leap from couch to marathon and hasn't stopped running since. She talks to us here about starting The Running Channel and starting a community that she truly loves as well as how an ex-boyfriend prompted her to start running in the first place, by telling her that she couldn't. She talks about running goals, strength training during lockdown, her love of trail running and hating tempo sessions. She also talks openly about how the trolls in the comments section affected her mental health and how she has won that personal battle. Find out this, her top tips for ultra recovery, it involves a paddling pool, and what's in store next for Anna and The Running Channel right here. Have you got the latest copy of Women's Running? If you're missing it, the easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop.womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door every month by subscribing. If you prefer instant access, then digital is for you. You can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet via your app store and you can read it straight away wherever you are. For all the different ways to read the magazine, go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk. aren't you you're, you're massively important to the world of running at the moment you know we've just had we've just done um uh, a survey for our readership which we do quite often and mm. we were I've only just completely rattled through it I haven't really looked at everything but one of the questions was um what runners do you follow on Instagram and you cropped up and not just the running channel but you Me. yes you you cropped up quite a lot actually it's been really weird, like during lockdown, because I, I had probably 7,000 followers maybe on Instagram. And during lockdown, I went well over 10,000, which was always my, my personal goal for that, because then I can put links, like swipe up links in my stories. Um, so rather than it just being like an arbitrary number, I'm not bothered about the number of followers that I have, but having that feature when we've got links to like videos and blog posts and stuff, like super helps. Um, and yeah, I've really noticed during lockdown that the numbers have gone up so much. So yeah, I think people are desperate for support, aren't they? And yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. anyway, so um, right. Well, I think right. Your job title, I've I've got it down here as head of content for the Running Channel. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. So can you tell me how that came about and like how you set? Because you set it up as well, didn't you? Yeah, basically. Um, Why? So- wow. When? <laughs> uh, so the story goes, um, I was at, I was a journalist working in radio and I had started running in 2017. So I think it was about 2018. Um, I was working in London. I'd been promoted to news editor at Global Radio and was working in London. And I kind of took it upon myself to do all of the London Marathon coverage. So I got a media spot. I was going to run it. I was going to be doing all of the coverage for for Global. And as part of that, I was doing sort of a series of documentaries looking into running. And I went along to a press call that Strava put on and they had Joe Pavey there. And I got to interview Joe Pavey, which for me, just like huge. I was so nervous. (laughs) <laughs> but she's so lovely and it, it the, uh, the, the nerves were misplaced. Um, so I did the interview. Um, we were chatting about all kinds of different stuff. And then the PR agency that were doing the PR for Strava at the time, they, they had representatives there at the press call. And so I got to meet them and chat to them. And the next day I got a phone call from the founder of the PR company um, to say, Hey, it was great to meet you. Um, I've got this idea. It might be a bit off the wall, but what I really want to do is set up a YouTube channel about running. And I, from that, just that sentence was like, that would be incredible because I know from personal experience of starting running and going couch to marathon, which is what I did at the start, that I was just engrossing myself in blogs and magazines and everything that I could about running because I didn't realize there was so much you can learn about it. 
I said, if there had been sort of a resource like that when I was training, I would have loved it. And I think you've got a really strong idea there. How can I help? Yeah. Um, and he said, well, you know, it's just an idea at the moment. We need to get it off the ground. You need to have a think about what it looks like. And I said, well, I'm working the breakfast shift. I was reading the news on Heart Breakfast at the time. So I was finishing work on the radio about lunchtime. So I had free afternoons. So I said, oh, well, I can come in and help you in the afternoons and do it on the side and whatever. And he said, yeah, I I was kind of thinking more of a permanent thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So at that point, I'm like, oh, I'd have to quit my job. It's my career of 15 years. Um, But at the time, there was a lot of Brexit chat. There was a lot of terrorism. There was a lot of just real negative stuff going on in the news. And it, it was affecting my mental health it was it had a real impact on me mm-hmm. and I just felt really sad and really stressed about my job and so actually yes I did think about it because it was such a, a big decision to, to make but I didn't think about it for very long and the gut instinct at the time was I've got to do this so I bit the bullet and handed in my notice and um, went to what was the very beginning of the running channel um, and just spent about three months um, coming up with content ideas, speaking to people in the running space about what they would want from it, um, piloting videos, practicing being on camera because I'd spent my life behind a microphone um, and and building this content. And, And we eventually pressed play on the 8th of October, 2018 with no subscribers no followers on social media, um, and went from there. <laughs> How did you go from there? What happened? <laughs> so the first day was amazing. We, um, we have like a digital uh, counter that, that connects to YouTube and it shows you how many subscribers you've got. And I think we probably spent the first couple of hours of that day just watching it. And every time it went up by one or two or three, we were like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, we had cake to celebrate. Um, and... Yeah, I guess we, we'd gone from sort of building this brand that we hoped people liked to where we are now at nearly 150,000 subscribers with just the most wonderful community. Um, and, and that's the one thing, the biggest thing for me is just seeing runners coming together. It's the same with, with all kinds of running groups, isn't it? You know, just whether you're part of a crew or a club or you're in a Facebook group or you read a magazine or you're on Twitter, like that, that community, that running community, that's the buzzword with running and feeling that we sort of brought people together is, yeah, I just, yeah, gives me, gives me all the feels. (laughs) So what what do you think, um, what, what, what's the secret to your success? Do you think? Um, okay. So I think it's probably that there's a, there's probably a few things I would say what makes the running channel successful is the fact that we cater for all, all runners, whether you have just started, whether you're trying to get faster, whether you want to go longer, doesn't matter what your distance is, doesn't matter what your pace is. There's something for everyone on there. We, we do sort of entertaining content of like challenges um, as well as you know useful tips that people can can take away and I think having that broad spectrum and being relatable to all all of the audience can be really difficult at times so we publish two videos a week and one might be how to run a faster half marathon and that you know that won't necessarily appeal to someone who's just finished couch to 5k and we get that but then we'll then make sure that you know we've got a video coming up that's the best shoes for beginners so we know that every video won't appeal to every single person but what we do try and do is make sure that there is a mix of something for everyone and i hope that we are as a team representative of the diverse community that we have within the running space Tell me about your team. Who do you have working with you? So we are super fortunate to have an Olympian on our team, which <laughs> really helps with the faster end of stuff. So <laughs> Andrew Badley is a 1,500-metre runner. He is also the parkrun world record holder. Um, he ran it in 13... He's going to kill me if I get this wrong. I'm sure it's 13.42. 
That's ridiculous. Yeah, at Bushy Park, um, it was on Super Saturday during the London 2012 Olympics. So he had failed to qualify for the final. And his coach, to pick him up and dust him off uh, at the disappointment, took him to Bushy Park to park run. Uh, cleared it with, the, obviously, the um, event organisers and stuff because park run is not a race. Um, but Andy went down there with his coach. His coach paced him around on the bike and he broke the record. And it still stands. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, it's, so we've got Andy. He is our CEO and... Um, is also on screen um he like checks everything that all our content that goes out to make sure that everything's good he's got great contacts with coaches and physios and all sorts um we've got kate carter so kate comes from a background of being a journalist as well she wrote for the guardian um for a long time and she used to have the really successful running blog on the guardian which was a, a really popular blog um she then went freelance after that um and comes and does freelance stuff with us and um, so you'll see Kate on camera she's what I would call our fast female um she's unreal she also holds a world record so she has the world record for the fastest female in an animal full body animal costume she's the panda she's the panda <laughs> so she ran London Marathon in a full panda costume in 2019 and she did it in something ridiculous like three hours and 40 minutes or something um <laughs> So yeah, Kate's fantastic. And then we also have Rick on the presenting team. So Rick is our kind of like male counterpart of me, like your average runner. He loves a park run, but he also loves a glass of wine on a weekend. He's a new dad. Um, We featured his wife um, in one of our videos about running in pregnancy when she was pregnant with their first child. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the team at the moment. We have um, Tom, our videographer as well, who does all the filming and editing. And we have um, someone who looks after our social media, which is a giant role uh, and one that we've only just kind of hired um, because I used to do all of that as well as the the filming. Um, And we also have another member of staff who uh, just looks after kind of like the researchy logistics stuff so we are I think we're bigger than some people think we are but I think we're smaller than some people think we are as well so Mm -hmm. yeah there's um it's a good team though it's um and it it is like being on a proper team because we're all very sport orientated so we bring that into work which is it works well are you do you find yourself competitive with them so competitive so (laughs) even even against Andy like sometimes I'm like yeah I can beat you at something if you have been <laughs> handicapped um we have a really great challenge series that I'm thoroughly enjoying at the moment we launched it during lockdown because obviously we were all filming separately and sort of submitting content to to make these videos so we thought well what can we do separate so um we have a, a challenge accepted series where the four of us go head to head on challenges and they do have to be handicaps because of the difference in in abilities across the board um, but one of them we did like um, the Ross Barkley 5k where you pause your watch and try and run a 5k as fast as you can in in like sprints basically um, and I didn't come last um, but I did not come first um, and then we did girls versus boys against 10k so it was Kate the fast girl versus me the average girl um, versus uh, Andy the fast male and and rick the average male um to see who could have the the shortest combined uh 10k time sadly the boys beat us oh which we are not happy about but we will get them back (laughs) (laughs) will there be a rematch absolutely absolutely i am very competitive i'm not sure if that's coming through right now um so yeah uh yeah it's all it's all good fun it's all done in jest um but yeah it's it's great to to be able to do that that kind of stuff that's some of my favorite um videos that we do well I was going to ask you about that but first of all I was going to see see um do you have there been any learning curves uh from setting up the running channel huge learning curves I think like we have always strived from the beginning to fail hard and fail fast so we're not afraid to try something and if it doesn't work move on work out why it didn't work and and figure out how 
to do it better next time. And I think, again, from our sort of sporting background and the way that we think about things from a running point of view, you, you do the same. If something doesn't work during a marathon, maybe you took a dodgy gel that didn't agree with you or you set out too fast. Like you learn constantly. And I think that's really beneficial from the, the side of, of building the running channel as well, because we are constantly learning what our audience likes, what they don't like. And um, I mean, the biggest learning curve recently for me has been filming. So again, being in lockdown, we, we're still making videos. And Tom, our videographer, he used to do all the filming and all the audio. I can't be with him right now. And so it was kind of like, right, how do we do this? We don't know how long lockdown's going to be on for. It obviously ended up being quite a long time. And we're still not back to filming altogether as well because of social distancing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, uh, my sort of skill set's gone from radio and audio to video and, and yeah, presenting. <laughs> Would you, have you had any failures? Would you consider any, any of the challenges that you've met along the way failures? That's a really good question. Um, and I, I can't, I, I don't think so. I don't think we've really, really missed the mark yet. And we're all human. So I'm sure it's bound to happen. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that anything that we've particularly done has failed I think what's been really interesting to see is the stuff that hasn't performed as well. Um, and when we say performed, I mean like just people showing an interest and, and watching the videos and stuff. What's been really interesting to see there is that actually the stuff that hasn't performed well is um, if we, we've showcased like a couple of epic places to go and run. So we did a, we started a series of, um, of like most beautiful places in the world to run and didn't, didn't perform particularly well so we've been the format um and, and we move on um but yeah I think overall it's we've we've gone from from strength to strength and what have been the surprising successes then so if if you haven't had that many failures they must have had loads of successes and what what have been the best ones so for me the thing that blows my tiny little mind every single time is and this is really hard for me to say because I'm, I'm quite a, I'm actually quite like self-conscious and I, I, I don't have a high opinion of myself, but the stuff that's done the, the best view videos have been my challenges. Things where I've gone and run uh, Brighton Marathon was one of our best performing videos for a very long time. Um, followed by me running New York Marathon, just crying into the camera at how emotional I got. Um, and doing just this epic ultra event where I ran 260 kilometers around the Azores in six days. And again, crying about being tired and being injured. And I was on my period, which just threw a whole new spanner in the works and being really open and honest about it. And for me, it was surprising that people sort of bought into that and cared about that. So that's that's the most surprising for me on a personal. Why, why do you think they did? Why do you think it was your stuff particularly? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we um we get so many really lovely comments on videos, and like I've always felt really awkward using the word inspiring. Um, I feel I feel like why would anyone be inspired by what I'm doing and but that is a, a word that comes up so often when people are commenting on the video and it, like it means the world to me but I, it's still kind of something that's a bit like I don't know why I'm just me being me um so yeah I think maybe yeah hopefully hopefully at the same time I say that like I find it hard to to take that you know lots of people find it hard to take compliments and things like that but what does give me so much joy is that actually there are people who are watching these videos that that I'm creating and say you've inspired me to believe that I can do something that I didn't think I could do and to be able to pass that on is huge to me because that's something that I strive to do in my running is I run to be strong and to prove to myself that I can do things that I didn't think that I could do. And actually I quoted in um, 
our New York Marathon video when I ran that, that there was a guy in front of me running and he was wearing on the back of his shirt, uh, it said, tell me I can't. And um, my ex-boyfriend who started this passion of running of mine when we broke up, um, so I'm not giving him credit for actually starting my passion. It was a, I'm going to go out and do something for myself. Mm-hmm. He, we were watching the Barkley Marathons documentary on Netflix um, when we were together. And I said, oh, I'd love to do that one day. And I wasn't a runner at that point. I, didn't, I genuinely didn't run. I said, I'd love to do that one day. And he looked at me and he said, you couldn't even run a marathon. And I, I saw that guy at New York Marathon that said, tell me I can't. I just thought, watch me, because I am. <laughs> it felt so <like> good. <laughs> I was going to ask you about your start to running, because um, I did read that you're actually, um, timescale allowing, a relatively recent runner, which I think lots of people might be really surprised about, because you are a running authority. Um, <laughs> I just find it so astounding. Um, you just you seem so capable, and you are so knowledgeable. Um, and you went from park run to marathon in, it felt like a matter of seconds. <laughs> it was about three months. I think I downloaded a, I think it was a 12 week training plan. So I signed up to Edinburgh marathon. Um, so as I, was it because of that boyfriend? So that boyfriend, and I also lost a very close friend of mine. Um, he went out on a night out and was a victim of a one punch attack and he died at the age of 29. Um, and it was, it was a really tough period. It was, um, you know, just really hard to kind of like deal with. And that whole time in my life, I just felt like there was something missing that I needed a a release for something. And I was either going to go into the pits of despair and, you know, pick up awful habits or whatever, or... I was going to do something with my life that, that mattered. And so I thought, right, I'm going to make the most of what I've got. So uh, Bab, my friend who, who died, he was one of these people who just grasped opportunity. He always said yes. And he always did well. He set up his own business. He had so much going for him. He had such a zest for life. And so from his death, his, um, we spawned the phrase, be more Bab. So live your life and really embrace the opportunities that you've got. And so I thought, right, I'm going to be more bad and I'm going to run that marathon and I'm going to do it before I'm 30. And that's my challenge. I'm going to set myself. So I signed up for Edinburgh Marathon and and downloaded their like beginner plan, which I think, yeah, like I say, I think was 12 weeks. And I... Were you running at all at that stage? No, I wasn't like even going to the gym or anything. I was so unfit. (laughs) <laughs> I was about three stone heavier than I am now. Um, and I was, I was living just a terrible lifestyle. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I love a goal. I love a list. I had my list of, of runs to do, do three miles this day, then a rest, then do four miles and tick them off. Um, joined a running club. I was living in Yorkshire at the time. So I joined the Test Riders and I have a lot to be grateful to them for because it, it was, you know, a bit of a lifeline for me at the time, making new friends and just finding this passion for running, being surrounded by other runners. And, um, yeah, trained, trained my little backside off for Edinburgh Marathon. And the day came and it was and still is one of the best experiences of my life. I, I, it changed, crossing that finish line changed me. Um, and that was it. I was just hooked on running. How was it? How was it apart from life changing? How was it? What was the, you know, did you do a good time? Did you have a good time? Yeah. So, um, I, I went into it with the, I, like I said, I've been reading loads of blogs and I've been like devouring all this information about running. So I went into it, I'd read somewhere that it's a great idea to have a couple of goals because if one goes to pot, you've still got that to, to cling on to. So I went into it with the, the goal to finish my first ever marathon. And then the second goal was to go sub four. Because I think that, you know, that's quite a big goal for, for a lot of runners. It's quite a stretch, I think, for your first one. And I don't think I realized how hard it was. Um, but I was on track for sub four. Um, and then I hit 16 miles. And I'd had a, a niggle in my IT band during training, but I hadn't really known what it was. I just thought that my knee hurt. 
mm-hmm. um, and that flared up so badly during the the marathon. Actually, it was more like fourteen miles because I rang my mum while I was running and I said, "My knee really hurts. Can I meet you at sixteen miles?" So she was there. She had deep heat, and I remember she dropped to the floor and just slathered my leg in deep heat and was like you got this, you can do it, I believe in you. And it was so wonderful. I was bawling my eyes out. I said I was in the most pain I've ever been in my life. But I, I think seeing her just flicked a switch and I was like, just get this done. So I hobbled my way through the last 10 miles. And by some miracle, I crossed the line in four hours, seven minutes, which obviously isn't sub four, but for the the drama and the pain that I went through, I still to this day don't know how I did that. Um, so it was memorable for sure. <laughs> and you've done some races since. What have you done after them? Yeah, so um, then on my continued hunt for the sub four, I had signed up to Budapest Marathon. So that was the autumn of 2017. So I'd done Edinburgh in the May, went to Budapest in the September. Uh, and it was hot. So I have like a, I'm like cursed with running hot races because my first four marathons, I think, were all above 23, 24 degrees, even Edinburgh, <laughs> which is unheard of. Um, so yeah, did Budapest a little bit quicker than Edinburgh, but still not sub four. Then I did London 2018. So that was when I was working at Global. Um, then I did race to the King. So I decided I'd do an ultra, just throw that in the mix. So that's 54 <laughs> miles along the South Downs way, um, which is a whole different ball game. Um, then I did Berlin marathon in the autumn of 2018 and I got my sub four. Oh, yeah. 359, 21. Um, and then I did another one in the spring of 2020 no that's this year there's no races in spring of 2020 (laughs) spring of 2019 I can't remember what it was what was it I'm not sure Brighton Brighton which I did for the running channel and then my A goal race for that year was Amsterdam marathon um so uh autumn 2019 and I uh did like 353 so, wow. yeah. And then my final marathon that I did was my backyard marathon that I filmed during lockdown in my mum's 10 metre long back garden, which took five and a half hours and I would not recommend. Yeah, <laughs> that, that looked painful. The course was very uninspiring. Flat, not fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was hard. <laughs> and I assume you had some races this year that you were going to do, but will have been cancelled or postponed. What, what were you looking forward to? I was supposed to be running um, a marathon on a frozen lake in Norway. Wow. It's called the Icebug Marathon. It's run on a lake in a place called Gull in Norway. And the lake, everyone says, oh, but aren't you worried you'll fall in? Um, the lake is so like frozen solid that they actually test military grade vehicles on it. So I wasn't worried about falling in, worried about falling over a little bit. <laughs> um, but there's special shoes, which I'm yet to run in on ice because obviously you can't really practice. I've run in them on the trails um, to see what they're like and they are a bit like um, a minimal cross-country spike so they're not as aggressive as cross-country spikes um, and they're, yeah they're somewhere between a cross-country spike and a trail shoe um, so I was really looking forward to that that's been cancelled entirely this year but I will hopefully be running that next spring instead who knows and have you um, had any races coming up, like towards the end of this year? Is there anything that you have tentatively signed up for? So my Christmas present to myself last year was to enter Valencia Marathon. So I still have a place at Valencia. And as it stands, it's still going ahead. Um, I think the fact that it's in December has really helped. I There's a little part of me that is like, it might still happen and I will I will start my training I'm due to start my training uh next week <laughs> um so yeah I, I everyone's in the similar position though aren't they where it's like it's that kind of will it won't it in that kind of I don't know whether I'm going to be able to run it or not but um 
I like having a focus and hey, if it doesn't go ahead, it's, it's all training and it's all learning and it's, you know, it's all running. <laughs> and so how many ultras have you done? So I've done technically two ultras, but a couple more than that because um, some of them were like 24-hour races where I ended up doing more than 30 miles in the 24. So it kind of depends how you how you want to um, describe an ultra runner, uh, an ultra run. I guess it's anything over 26.2 miles. Yeah, uh, sure. So yeah, I've done um, Race of the King, which is my first, and... That was a real eye-opener. Um, I don't think I really considered how far 54 miles of hills is until I crossed the finish line at Winchester Cathedral in absolute tears of just... it was It's shock and awe of like, thank you, body, for carrying me this far. And over how much time were you doing that? So that took me 13 hours. Yeah, which was, um, yeah, long day, very long day. <laughs> um, and the most remarkable thing about ultras is going that distance, so actually like realising that you can go that distance, but the recovery process afterwards. So I spent the next day after Race to the King, I had so much adrenaline going through my body. I woke up, um, I think I crossed the line at about 10 o'clock at night, went home, tried to have a glass of Prosecco with my mum, but just couldn't even cope with thinking about drinking. I was so tired. Um, Got in a cold bath, and I think I was finally in bed by about half past 11. Slept terribly and just kept waking up with just all this adrenaline going around. You know, when you've got like restless legs and you just... You're on such a high and such a buzz. Um, so I woke up the next morning at six o'clock and um, just couldn't go back to sleep. So I got my phone, searched out the nearest McDonald's and left my mum asleep in the Airbnb and hobbled down to McDonald's for a McDonald's breakfast, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then spent the rest of the day in my four-year-old niece's paddling pool in the freezing cold water, which just... Honestly, if you can do that after an ultra, it's the best form of recovery because I was out running two days later, just did like, I say running, like a a little recovery 5k trot. But from crossing the line in Winchester and thinking I'm never going to be able to walk again, let alone run, to actually being able to get back to to sort of shaking that out a bit um, is unreal. Like it just, my body just constantly amazes me. Um, and the same can be said for the Azores when I ran 260k in six days. Like the longest day then was 78 kilometers. <gasps> yeah, that <laughs> yeah, sharp intake of breath. That was <laughs> unreal. And and that included climbing up to the highest point of the island in the dark, in the bogs. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think just people a, a lot of time this kind of goes back to like, what's your piece of advice for newbies and, and sort of saying, believe in yourself. A lot of people will say, how many marathons should I run before I attempt to do an ultra marathon? And my advice there is there, there is no, it's not like, oh, you should probably do five and then do one. It, it genuinely, if you are willing to put in the hours and work of just, constant long runs pace doesn't matter in an ultra let's let's get that clear it's it's the time on feet and and the mental side of pushing through if you can push through you're always going to be in a bit of discomfort during an ultra marathon it's so far something will hurt you'll feel very tired you'll you'll want to stop you'll think you can't but if you can build on that mental side of it and push through then it doesn't matter how many marathons you've run. You can just, I, I would say, be brave, sign up, do it, experience it. It's like an all-day picnic. You just snack all along the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I mean, I guess the thing is, it's like if, you're, if, you, if, if you book in to do a race, which is 260 kilometres over six days, yeah. you can't really <laughs> train specifically for that because you can't, you, you, you're not going to be doing that, are you? No, and you've been... What was your longest run before then? 
sort of leading up to it. Leading up to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, A marathon. Two marathons. Um, So I did it off the back of, so I did Amsterdam Marathon as my goal race. So I raced that hard, took a week off. Um, then we actually went out to New York for the running channel. So I was filming New York marathons. That was never, um, a race for me. That was never sort of to get a time. Um, but I was counting it as a long run ahead of the Azores. Um, and so sort of having that two weeks between the marathons, um, I know you've spoken to Susanna who did seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. So, I mean, (laughs) that, that is, um, incredible. Uh, and there's me going, oh, well, I mean, two weeks between marathons. It's, it's, it's about, and people say this all the time. And I, when I first heard it, I was like, but what does that mean? But it's about listening to your body. And once you get the hang of that, and don't, don't use listening to your body as an excuse, as I do quite a lot. I'm like, oh, my body says that it's very tired today. So I'm going to have a line and skip my run. That's not what I mean. Don't use an excuse. Um, but if you, you know, listening to your body and if you feel like you can step it up and, and push yourself a little bit harder, then, yeah, um, that's that's the key to training for ultras. And, and that time on feet um, and just like running back to back days, running on tired legs um, is is key. And what was amazing during the Azores was feeling that adaptation process of Hitting the beginning of the fourth day, so we'd done 42k and then two 35k days, going into that 78k long day, knowing that I still had two days left after that, um, actually feeling stronger on that fourth day than I did when I started. And that's because your body is adapting and is... um, getting used to running on those tired legs um, and that's something that I experienced when I was training for Amsterdam Marathon because I chose to use the Hansen's Marathon method which is based upon running six days a week and constantly running on tired legs so you're, the volume of it is it's quite a lot of volume and actually if you're time poor if you're you know busy working mum or you know you struggle like with shift work or, or whatever it is it's probably not the plan for you. But I was fortunate that I was able to fit that in around my work life. And that, that running on, on tired legs, I 100% believe in is what shaved like seven minutes off my PB and ran through that finish line. I sprinted the last 400 metres of the Amsterdam Marathon and probably could have got a bit faster in total um, if I wanted to, um, because I I had never felt as strong as I did. And I I put it down to that training cycle. So yeah, running on tired legs is the key for, for ultra running. And with ultra running, do you, do you bring in like a walk run method or do you try and run as much as you can? Walk, walk the hills. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. I mean, the Azores. The Azores was like a key, like example of. It, there were bits that weren't runnable. We'd have our morning briefings, and they'd say, "Right, checkpoint one is here. Checkpoint two is here. Then it's probably runnable. Checkpoint three to checkpoint five, <laughs> um, <laughs> because yeah, I, there are hills and just time, even just times when you can't run anymore." Um, and so rather than, I would say, rather than it being like a walk run method, which I would, I would sort of take as being a bit more structured. So I'm going to run for five minutes and walk for five minutes. Mm. There was no structure to it. It was walk up the hills, run the flats if you can run the downhills. The downhills are fun. Um, and on the long day, I actually ended up sort of doing a bit of fart lacking. So running between the flags that were marking the course. Mm-hmm. on the flats just to give myself a bit more of a motivation to get a bit more running done and um, when you really feel like you you can't anymore <laughs> I would um do you have a preference between ultras and marathons because I have a um a preference for an ultra or at least a trail just mainly because the food is better 
um, because it's quite difficult to eat flapjack, I find, if you're running a marathon. But if you're running an ultra, it's really easy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the thing to the thing to remember is that marathons and ultras are I, I, they're just completely different. If you're especially if you're like a mid pack back of the pack runner, you know you, you've got elites like Tom Evans and uh, like Dean Carnazes and like just amazing ultra runners. I can't believe I've just mentioned two blokes there when there are so many amazing ultra women who I have should have mentioned like Sophie Power, uh, Nikki Spinks, like all those women who are just so inspirational. Um, yeah, they're at the front of the pack. I don't, I don't know if they eat flapjacks when they run because they're running so fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just such a different ball game. And I think, do I have a preference no, because I love them both for the challenges because they are different challenges. And what I love about an ultra is that it's, for me, never about time because I'm not going to run an 80K ultra one year and then run a different 80K in a different environment with a different elevation and go, oh, you know, I was an hour slower at that time because you can't compare them. And I think that's what's so nice about ultras is that you see so much of beautiful places because they have to be in beautiful places because they're so big um and um and then with marathons you have got that kind of time element to it and you know I will forever no not forever because this is a goal that I will hit I my biggest goal is to qualify for Boston Marathon that's what I want to do um more than anything um and I know that I've got a lot of hard work to do to get there. And I've not, I've not given that goal enough yet, but I will get there. What time do you need to get to qualify? 3.40, but probably more like 3.30. So it's doable. It's definitely doable. And where are you now? What's your PB? 3.53. So, yeah. Got some work to do. Got some work to do. That's exciting. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have the goal, but yeah, the amount that I've chipped off over three years. So I've gone from four hundred seven to three fifty three, and like I say, like I've, I take my training seriously, but I know that I there are so many ways that I can get better. Um, but it's a balancing act, isn't it? Hey, we're not. We're, I'm not an elite runner. I never proclaimed to be an elite runner and that's not why I enjoy running I enjoy running for so many other reasons than getting times um but that said I'm still going to chase that elusive BQ is that because you're ever so slightly competitive very competitive (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and um yeah get my six stars oh you're clearly gonna do it yeah yeah what year what year you can do it wow Within the next three years. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> we will be watching this space, I think. Yeah, yeah. Get, you can get me back on next time. <laughs> I will. I, I totally I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, apart from running all of these marathons and races, where does your knowledge come for the Running Channel? Where, where, where how have you become the, um, if you don't mind me saying, the running geek, which I think is amazing that you are? um yeah uh listening to podcasts um reading blogs reading articles reading magazines like women's running um just and and talking just immersing yourself in the in the running space um I've learned so much from so many people I, I couldn't even begin to list the people that I have learned from because there are just so many um my teammates at Saltair Striders and now Serpentine, I learned from them, um, from the running crews that I run with, like Adidas Runners, um, they, We Are Daybreak in London. So many, so many people. And also learning as you go as well, just learning from from doing these races and, and from learning about what works for, for you as well, I suppose, is it's kind of an amalgamation of all of it do you have any words of wisdom you know how we were talking right at the beginning about um me going to the running school and having one of those kind of 
epiphanies of oh yes it's about how I move my legs how I kind of how I shouldn't slump forward when I run that kind of thing which is all kind of fairly obvious if you've been kind of immersed in in running for a long time but for me it was a real shock to realize that actually my form was to blame for, for such a lot of stuff have you had any of those sorts of epiphanies in your kind of journey yeah definitely um when I first started running I didn't really know much about like foot strike and so through working with um the other runners at at Saltair Striders and sort of running with them and uh, they sort of identified that I had a terrible heel strike which actually it's not there's such a debate about foot strike and people will be listening to this and go well it's fine and it is you know what suits one person might not suit the other person but I worked for quite a long time between Edinburgh Marathon and Budapest Marathon on actually just adjusting my foot strike. And I went through probably three months of basically being injured, like feeling very injured. My, my calves were in bits because I was changing the way that I was landing and I was using the muscles in a completely different way that actually it really had a massive impact on my calves. But at the time, I thought I was just injured. I didn't realise that what I was doing by fundamentally changing how I was landing whilst running um, was having this huge impact on my calves. So I thought, yeah, I just injured myself. So yeah, learning and going through that was was a big one. But also um, strength training and yoga and stretching. All, all of those, all of the extras basically I, I think a lot of runners and myself included underestimate the value of the extra stuff. And it's the stuff that well, I've not got time for it today. I'll, yeah, I'll do it another time. But actually, if you look at how many times you stretched after you ran or foam rolled or did a strength and conditioning session or some yoga, like actually compared to the amount that you run, it's probably very little for most people and I am guilty I am as guilty as the next person and I'm still not great at it but I have especially during lockdown focused more on that so I'm actually doing two zoom based strength and conditioning sessions with a group every week zoom based yoga once a week and the difference that I've felt in just feeling so much stronger during running and um yeah it's that was a massive learning curve for me as well just as recently as the last few months you keep on answering my questions before I ask them it's very irritating sorry (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wanted to ask you um about your what, what a week would look like especially if you weren't training for a marathon like what kind of running you do what kind of running you enjoy and where you like to run yeah um so I am, I'm a, what I would, I I would say I'm a terrible runner. Um, I, if I'm not training for something, I I don't really stick to a schedule. And that's, that's me in kind of everyday life. I'm very like spontaneous and I'll just do bits and bobs here and there. So typical weeks is kind of, if I'm not training for anything in particular, I don't really have a typical week. So what I do always do is run in the evenings um, I am terrible at getting up in the morning to run. And I know loads of people really like kind of that feeling of first thing and getting it done. And I do when I've dragged myself out of bed, but I'm not a morning person. I spent so long getting up for work at four o'clock in the morning and being in the office for five that I really treasure my lions now. So, um, so yeah, I, I run in the evenings. I love running on trails, trail running, forests, woods, that kind of like that scenery for me is my absolute ideal. And if, if I was to put a number on it, maybe I'd run maybe 20 to 25 miles a week. I'll always try and go out for a long run on a Sunday, whether I'm training for anything or not. So that could be like around 10 miles ish. Um, which I love doing. I love the long run. I know a lot of people get, kind of maybe overwhelmed or a bit of a mental block from from long running um my mental block uh and hatred of sessions as it were is tempo running I, I just can't do it it just I I can do it and when I do do it it's fine but I build it up in my head and I, I psych myself out about tempo runs all the time <laughs> 
Um, you've talked about I've, I've been because I've you know I've been stalking you um, <laughs> and reading everything about you, um, and you've talked really openly about struggling with your mental health and dealing with your own body image. Mm. How has running helped with those things? So, um, yeah, men- so mental health wise, I guess probably just from the very, very beginnings of, of starting running and the reasons behind that, I, I sort of said that I was in a, in a not very happy place. And um, for me, as I know, is, is the same for so many people, running is that kind of release time. It's that me time. It's the time to just kind of take stock a bit. I listen to music a lot when I run and, and podcasts and things. So I'm not the kind of person that necessarily will go naked as it were without any um like stuff to listen to but that doesn't mean that I'm not also processing my thoughts at the same time the music kind of just becomes a bit of a background thing um so yeah I use running time as a time to figure stuff out solve problems put stuff in boxes in my brain that I can deal with later um so running has been a real release on that side of things the body image side is um, has been huge as well. So I started running when I was about three stone heavier. I wasn't active. Um, and actually, you know, I, I didn't start running to lose weight. And I know that that's a motivation for so many people. And that's great. Like if that's your motivation, that's awesome. For me, it was just a happy coincidence that it was a side effect of doing all of this marathon training and I could eat loads more which was just unreal always hungry (laughs) (laughs) um so seeing my body change during when I first started running like just muscle definition you'd be in the shower shaving your legs and you're like I've got calves where did that come from (laughs) like you'd like rest your hand on your on your quads and you're like well I've actually got quads this isn't just like my thigh this is strange so yeah, the, the um, for me, like I, I feel like my because my body has changed a lot since I started running. Um, the body image side of things sort of goes hand in hand with that, but there is the negative side of things. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm about to answer a question, but we do get negative comments on videos, um, and they are usually the negativity is aimed squarely at my appearance of some sort and usually my weight really like you're too fat to be a runner oh isn't it a shame when someone who's out of shape is trying to tell you how to run just things like just really awful things that just that it's not even relevant I'm telling you how to like run your first 5k not how to eat well or do you know what I mean so are you able to brush it off that easily no I wasn't um it was it got to be a real, I got in a really, really bad place with it at the start of this year. I was absolutely mortified by it all. I, I, it doesn't matter how many nice comments you get. You can get thousands of nice comments. And as soon as somebody says something bad about you, it just eats away. It's like, it's like a rotten kind of, it just gets under your skin. Mm. And, and I, I didn't deal with it particularly well. Like, you can't, you can't and shouldn't rise to it. You can't really, if you reply to it, then you're, you're feeding the trolls, you're giving them the ammunition, it's what they want. Um, and at that point, I was still in charge of our like social media output and, and replying to all of our comments and all the rest of it. So there was no escape for me from it. But what's been amazing at the Running Channel is that our sort of, as a team and, and Andy being CEO and stuff, like he has stepped up so much to support me through that because um because he knows how awful it is and um so I no longer look at the comments um like day in day out it's not my my kind of role to do that anymore I'm not expected to look at them um and um yeah it's so it's it's something I've had to work on to get over but now I do kind of laugh it off I had a really good one the other day someone who was irritated by the way that I say my name. I saw that. How, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and you just think, now I can laugh about it because if you don't, 
and I think this goes for, for whoever you are, whatever you do. I obviously accidentally put myself out there and ended up being like front and center of this mammoth YouTube channel, which, you know, is always a, a worry. People say nasty things about, about people all the time. And I just think you, you, it's easy to say, just brush it off. But actually it takes, it takes time to, to work on that. But I think I've come out the other side of it so much stronger. I feel like my, my skin is like, I feel like a rhino. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you wish sometimes that you weren't quite so visible? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it surprises a lot of people. I'm, um, I'm very chatty, you might have noticed. Um, and, and I love being sociable as well, but it surprises a lot of people that I am, I would describe myself as um, an introverted extrovert. So I love, I love being around other people. I love chatting to people and I love socializing. I also really like my own space. So in order to recharge for me, I like to go home to my flat and close the door and just not really speak to anybody for a little bit and just recharge myself. Um, and, and there's that sort of element of like self-consciousness as well of like, I've ended up inadvertently putting myself out there, like being visible. So sometimes it's nice to be invisible. Do you think, um, do you think that's, do you think it's been good for you? Like launching the running channel and, and becoming so visible? Do you think it's been good for your mental health or do you think it's been damaging in some way? I think there's elements of both. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, necessarily damaging apart from sort of the negativity and, and those sort of trying to deal with those comments comments and navigating through that but the support from the rest of the team and, and the way that we all kind of support each other through anything you know like that um I couldn't have done it without without the rest of them so um the fact that I know that I've got an amazing team around like we've got an amazing team around us that that we can support each other through um means that yeah I don't think it's it's necessarily been damaging um but then again and I wouldn't say it's necessarily been good for mental health either it's it kind of swings around about um what advice would you give a newbie runner um like say it was your younger self if you can put yourself there but um you know, what, what, what would you tell a woman who wants to try running but is worried, worried that they can't or worried that they can't race or worried that people might look at them or something like that? Yeah. Um, believe in yourself. That's the, the best thing that you can possibly do is believe that you can. The minute that you start thinking you can't, is the minute that you let that negativity creep in and, and hold you back. And I think if you release that sort of cage of, oh, no, I, I don't feel like I could do this for X, Y, and Z reason, the minute you release that and you try it, like, it's just, there's no other feeling like it. It's People are capable of doing so much more than they believe and as soon as you take away the restraints I think is when you can prove to yourself that you can do it. Tell me about your ambitions for the running channel I want to know what, what's going to happen next <laughs> if you can. Oh it's top secret. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I, the, the main goal is just get bigger and better and continue um providing a, a space for the community to come together and provide like hopefully a bit of a provide a service to to runners like I hope what we do is is um is useful and I get um a lot of my family um will often say don't you ever feel like you're going to run out of things to make videos on? Like surely there's only a certain number of things that you can talk about running. And I, I can talk about running forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is the great thing is that actually if, if the answer was, yeah, there is a finite number of videos we could make, then actually we probably would have thought about that at the beginning of this and thought, mm, is it worth doing like going so big and, and making this, this, 
uh, resource. But the answer has always been like, we can always make new videos. There are always events that and challenges and new products um, that, that we can make videos on. So the sky's the limit. Um, plans wise for the channel, it's just get bigger, get better, get out and, and into the running community more. Like that's, that's been one of our goals from the beginning, but actually getting to the point of being able to do that sort of came at the beginning of this year. And then we weren't allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we want to go visit running clubs and put on track sessions for them and lead. I took, recently took my um, leader in running fitness um, qualification um, and yeah, just like put on running channel runs and just, yeah, really get ourselves out there and, and grow the team, be bigger. Have you, have you found that you've kind of enjoyed lockdown in a way? I mean, there's been, I know that the videos have had to adjust um, obviously because of, you know, the situation and that you've been doing the filming yourself and everyone else has been doing the filming of them themselves and stuff like that. But has it, um, has it been as rewarding as normal? Yeah, I would say so. Um, what's been great is that we regularly catch up as a team every day, twice a day on video. So we've, we've been seeing each other every day. Um, and it's not the same as seeing people in person a hundred percent. And it's so easy for me to lean over to our videographer and say, Oh, actually could like, should we just swap that clip? What can I see what that looks like? Um, whereas actually I can't do that when we're, we're working remotely. So that that's been a struggle, but overall from a running channel point of view it's it's been really good to see that we can adapt and we can like still carry on doing what we're doing um without being all together but at the same time we're all really excited to get back together because we are such a, a tight team and then personally for me lockdown's been awesome because I moved back to my mum's in the countryside we got a puppy <laughs> amazing we got an allotment um so yeah I don't pretend that it's been all like puppies and rainbows <laughs> um there, there've been tough times um as I, I know there have been for everyone um just sort of struggling on like a personal side of of that hum- missing that human interaction and stuff but um overall yeah it's it's been a pretty positive experience where you can grab those positives and when normality returns what are you looking forward to running with people (laughs) (laughs) oh racing just being around everyone again um at the moment so there's um a couple of my club mates from serpentine we've met up a couple of times for socially distanced runs so we're doing our uh, club time trials um, virtually so those guys went and did their 3k last week and we're going to do our mile time trial tonight um socially distanced um but it's so great to be able to even make those plans and start seeing running pals again so I have everything crossed that the cross-country season will go ahead I don't know if it will but I love cross-country and just I want to I'm looking forward to running through mud and being freezing cold and having cake at the end with everyone. <laughs> um, lots of us will be looking forward to park run. Yeah. Be, I can't wait for that to come back. Me either. Oh, park run has been like the stalwart, the staple of my running journey. I've made so many friends through park run, been to so many like awesome places as well. So like park running on holidays, Paris, Paris was a really lovely park run, actually, but it's so tiny. I think I came seventh. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, like what a a real blow and a real loss to our like way of life as runners, park run, not having park run has been. But um, I think think we're in for some pretty significant numbers when it's back. 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't might misquote this, but I'm sure the BBC said there'd been 800,000 downloads of the Couch to 5K app during lockdown. So like it, it gives me goosebumps thinking about all these wonderful new runners coming through, like that are doing what we love and are finding their love for it. It's, um, it's really exciting. That was the very lovely Anna Harding from The Running Channel. This episode was recorded during lockdown, as you can probably tell. The sound recorder and composer was David Newman. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do please get in touch with anyone you'd like me to chat to and do hit subscribe so that you get your fortnightly dose of Women's Running Chat as soon as I release it into the wild. If you want to be more mindful with your running or you want to improve your overall well-being, our sister title, Planet Mindful, is running a brilliant trial offer of three issues for £5 when you subscribe. Planet Mindful features everything from health and nutrition to self-care and sustainable living. In a year when our lives have been turned upside down, it's a great way to find a little inner calm during a busy week. Visit anthem.co.uk forward slash run 2020 and enter the code run 2020. That's run 2020. The offer is only available to UK residents and ends on the 30th of September. At Women's Running, we want to inspire you to run whether you've never run before or you're training for your fifth ultramarathon. We think that women who run need a space for themselves and we want to be that. Every month we talk all things running and all things women. From training plans for specific distances to interviews with incredible runners, ideas on how to improve your running and remain injury free, to delicious recipes to fuel your running and tons of advice on women's health. The easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop.womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door or to your inbox every month by subscribing. You can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet through your app store. For all the different ways to read the magazine, go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk. Do join us. We would love to have you with us. Happy running.